Sometimes it doesn't seem to catch my eye, but it did. There's often verses or parts of verses at the top of the Psalms. And this one was from 1 Peter 5-7. I'll read a few verses around it. It said, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Ye all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may, ca- that he, he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And that was the verse that was on top of the psalm. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may desire. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But God, but the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Shall we humble our hearts in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for that salvation that you've provided through Christ. We thank you that you have given us faith to trust in him. We ask this morning that your spirit would be in our midst and that it could open this word, that we could be refreshed in that message of what Christ has done for us, that we could be given assurance and faith and correction. We ask that you would guide each and every one of us as we walk here in this life, and that you would guide those who are put in positions of leadership around us, in our communities, in our homes, in our nation. We ask that you would give us that understanding that you know and that you care, and that your hand of protection is around each and every one of us. We ask that you would be with those this morning who, for whatever reason, cannot gather around your word, if they are infirm, that you would encourage them, if they are traveling, that you would protect them and care for them. And we ask this morning that you would give even that natural strength to the speaker, that he could come, and that assurance that your spirit would lead and guide and open this word. We ask this in Jesus' name, who has taught us to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Somebody have a song we can continue with? Four thirty six.
Everybody out this morning. As Shane has already mentioned, the one that gets up here takes this part of the service. Needs your prayers. I don't know if anybody else is different, but I don't often feel qualified or ever feel qualified to come up here and read this living word and expound on it. But it is in order that someone does it. For a text this morning, we'll look into a very familiar portion of God's Word, the 10th chapter of Luke. And reading about the man that went from Jerusalem down to Jericho, parable of the Good Samaritan, it says at the top of the page. Read from the 25th verse to the 37th, reading these words in Jesus' name. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered, answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to, unjust, to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, 
A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that shewed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Amen. This comes, this, first, first I will say the grace and mercy and peace be unto each one gathered here this morning from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This, this that I read comes after the, uh, first part of the chapter talks about how Jesus sends out 70, 70 disciples and I think we sang in that song how we have to hide in Jesus hiding in thee and and he, he gives them instructions not to take any too much credentials with them or anything that might they might think would help them in their in their labors. He says the the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Does that make us shudder a little bit? It does me. I'm going to send you out as lambs amongst wolves we know that the scripture tells us that the wolves are only concerned about their own belly and of course a little lamb has has not a lot of protection against them so we aren't to carry any weapons we're not to carry it says carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way and and into whatsoever house ye enter first, say, Peace be unto this house. And he goes on there. We're supposed to take this word and rest, rest on this word, rest in this word. And then we see the disciples went out and did that, and then they came back rejoicing. They must have been obedient to what Jesus said. They came back rejoicing that it says that the spirits are subject to us. Jesus reminds them that don't rejoice in that. I think I think it's maybe I don't see the whole picture, but it's easy for me to say this that it would be easy for me to think that I had done something or I have accomplished something and come back rejoicing. 
He said, I, he behold, he tells the disciples, I give you power to tread on serpents and, serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Then it says in that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me and my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, but, but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the, the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings who have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. This is what the, what the Holy Spirit does to us. I'm sure we don't always realize this or feel it like we should. But we, we pray for the leaders of our nations, as we heard in the prayer this morning, and those that lead our communities, our homes, whatever it may be. We have been given insight through this word to see Jesus. It says, Jesus says, many prophets and kings... We, we might we might look up to prophets and kings and and think or or feel that they have more depth of understanding, more a broader vision of of this life and this world we live in. And in many ways, I'm sure they do. But it says that to the believer, it says prophets and kings have a desire to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Blessed, blessed is the man we read in the word who, who has eyes to see and ears to hear. This comes from the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And we know that, that this, this Holy Spirit is, is Jesus. Who says when he leaves this world in physical form. He won't leave us comfortless. He won't leave us alone and on our own. But he said, I will send this Holy Spirit unto you. He's going to return again one day. Not in physical form, but in that form that he returned after he rose from the dead. In his spiritual, in a blessed form, in a powerful and living form, in a in a, uh, I can't, I can't think of the word, but in a, in a, in a new form, in a glorified form is the word I'm trying to find. He came back in a glorified form, and he will, he will glorify God, and he will glorify us as his believing people in, in the end. So, after this, the lawyer stands up. This part that I read. And it says that he was tempting Jesus. 
he was putting Jesus to some kind of a test. And we know that the, the Pharisees, you know, there were, there were some that were given that enlightenment to believe. Think of, of, uh, Nicodemus and, and, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. They had been of the Pharisee sect. They came to believe. So, we don't come to Jesus, we don't approach him trying to tempt him, or trying to uh, stop him in his words, or, or come up with something where we can put him down. And I guess when I read this this morning and, and thought of these things, I think, well, Jesus in his all-knowing and, and understanding that he has, he traps this man in what he said. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempting him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The, the, the best of all questions that anyone could ask. You and I or him or anyone else. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? What does it take for me to avoid being caught in the, we might say, the claws of the devil as, as we go through this life and that slavery he puts us into and reach heaven's shores when this life is over? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, and I think maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that Jesus trapped him in his own words. He says, what is written in the law? He asked the man. What does the law say? How readest thou? This man is familiar with the law. This, this man is not, is not a criminal lawyer like we think of today and, and lawyers that help us with our land transactions and these, these kinds of things. This is, this is a, a man who is familiar with the law, the Old Testament law. Probably a teacher of the law. He answers Jesus rightly. He answered saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That's a tall order. I think any of us that, that look at that and examine our hearts in the light of this powerful word, we see that and we realize that we just we just can't even come close to doing that. Our human nature is so close to us. All I have to do is hear a calf bawling in the morning. And what's wrong out there? That's our, that's our nature. We're, we're attached to this earth and we're attached to the way we make a living, you might say. In my case, there it is. And, and my mind is drawn away from the things of God. I can be sitting there reading this word. Hear something like that. Hear the dog barking. Wonder what's the matter out there. How do, how do we come to God with our full attention at all times? That's why we are what we are. That's why we fall into sin. That's why we have a hard time concentrating on, 
on living the right way and living the right life is because of what we are. We're flesh and blood and we are very attached to these things. I don't, I don't feel we have to be that attached that this becomes our, our God or our, you know, our way of getting through or, or whatever, but that's just the way we are. It's human nature. So this is his answer. Jesus says, what is written in the law, how readest thou? And he answers correctly. Every word. Jesus says, thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. They're speaking about the law. Well, we've been taught, I've been taught all my life that the law is good and it's there and, and it's good for us to study and read and know. But it won't get us to heaven. Jesus gets us to heaven. The work that Jesus has accomplished on the cross suffered and died and those came from the dead. Victorious over all wrongdoing. Remember what I just read here. Jesus says to his disciples, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. He gives us that. Nobody else gives us that. The law doesn't give us that. The prophets don't give us that. The prophets and the law give us hope. And they give us a foundation of this word and what what it contains for us. So Jesus asked him that question, what, what what does the law say? Well, if the man knows this so thoroughly and can do this, he wouldn't have to ask Jesus the question. Jesus says, you've answered right. This do and thou shalt live. It seems like that wasn't a good enough answer for him. But he, the next verse says, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus goes through this little story of a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho to show this man who is his neighbor. Is it a man across the road? Is it a man across your fence if you're living in town? Is that your neighbor? Well, yes, it is, physically. But Jesus explains it in more depth than that. And I asked Beth to... If, if she had any understanding on this morning when I was looking at, the, at this, I said, what's the, what's the meaning of the priest and the Levite? And right, right away she says, well, let's, let's see if Luther says anything about it. She went and looked in our, I think those books, Luther, Luther by Lenker, and she read, and the depth of understanding that he has, I, I can't even begin to say all the things Anyways, he goes on to say, the, the lawyer says, who is, who is my neighbor? Willing to justify himself. He, he's got the wrong spirit here. We can see right from the start. It says, first he stands up to tempt Jesus. And then it says here that he, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He 
we wonder, I wonder why he would ask Jesus that question. Surely we know who our neighbor is. But anyways, Jesus goes into this little parable. And I remember talking to Ray, my father-in-law, about this. Because I had spoken on it, and then I wondered why I speak on these things, and I don't have a whole lot of understanding on them. So so he says, well, it's it's not important that the story we put so much emphasis on, but what is important is who Jesus is. That he is this good Samaritan. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So Jesus is giving this parable about a man that went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the, the picture that's painted there, I guess, is that, is that Jerusalem is the city of God, the city of peace. And, and that city that we should dwell in and remain in. And this man made a mistake in going from Jerusalem down into Jericho. And I remember reading an article once about that holy lands and the, and the country is steep hills and, and rugged rocky country and, and not certainly not farmland and rocks sticking out of hillsides and, and little trails where people would walk through from one area to another and and it says here that he fell among thieves. But it's a picture of a person going from we might say a Christian <coughs> Christian walk to Having, having that presence of mind, that, or we might say lack of presence of mind, that, but he falls into sin. He falls into wrongdoing. The world has become some kind of a, an attraction to him. And what, it, and what it talks about is there that he, on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's going down from good into into bad into a walk that is not profitable not not the way God would want us to go and what do these thieves do they they care nothing for him it says they stripped him of his raiment raiment wounded him and departed leaving him half dead and he's in a, in a helpless state he's not he's not just lost his 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 clothing or or gotten beat up or whatever, but he's in a helpless state laying there by the side of the road. There's nothing he can do to help himself. That's a picture of what happens when we go into sin. Sin becomes a... I remember Brother Carl Shane's grandpa saying that, that sin is like that. But it, it's, it's sort of like something is hung out in front of us and it looks attractive, and we go that way, but then there, it isn't enough. We want more and more of it. When we take our eyes off our Christian walk and go towards, as it were here, Jericho, we run into trouble. We run into a place where we can't help ourselves. So, it says, By chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So it wasn't that he didn't notice him. 
we might say if this man was sick and beat up and helpless and laying under a bush or tree or something and, the, and people couldn't see him, that would be one thing. But he sees him. He sees this man in trouble. And he can't help him. He doesn't help him. He doesn't have that heart that and he goes over there and says, can I be of some help? He doesn't say that. He walks on the other side. Luther says of these, the priest and the Levite that, that they represent the Old Testament patriarchs and, and the law. And neither of these things help us in that way. They can't get us out of that state and get us on the right road. They're good and they're there. But they walk by without helping. But who is it that helped? Even even in the Old Testament times, even in in Abraham's time, it had to be Jesus that helped. It had to be Jesus that helps in all times. We, we read in the scriptures that he died from the foundation of the world, meaning that from the first sins that Adam and Eve fell into, and, and everyone since, including you and I, Jesus has died for those sins. Right from his first until the very last. So the priest comes by. He sees him. He passes by on the other side of the road. He can't help him. Likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. I think of the Levite as, as representing the law. He can't help. He passes by on the other side. This man is still laying there, beat up in agony, naked, and it says half dead. I don't know if if there's any depth to my understanding, but he wasn't dead completely. He was dead spiritually, and he was in pretty rough shape physically, but he was still alive. And there was still hope for him. And then this next verse has a little black star beside it. In this Bible of mine, it has a black star where, where it's referring to Jesus. It says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. That's the difference between the the law and the prophets we might say I think of Isaiah and many of the prophets they felt like Isaiah says himself that they felt like one crying in the wilderness and nobody hears I'm out here hollering into the wind as it were it was still Jesus that had to help if they obeyed or, or were taken out of their ways by Isaiah's preaching, any of the prophets, Jesus has compassion. This is the difference. A certain Samaritan. We know the Samaritans in Jesus' time were those that, they were a group of people. Samaria was a, a little country, I guess. And they were people that had some form of, some form of Christianity but they apparently still hung on to some of their old ways. And the Jews despised them something terrible. 
Here Jesus is a Jew and he calls him the Good Samaritan. He wasn't afraid to be called a Samaritan in this, in this parable. He's speaking of himself. Ray, Ray Curdy, the time I talked to him, he pointed that out specifically. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. We talk about him helping. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. What a difference. What a difference the, the priest and the Levite walking down that same pathway and seeing the man there. And they just stay to the other side. They see him there and they can't help him. They won't help him. Jesus comes along and he goes down to him. You might say he was in the ditch. He goes down, He came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him. He didn't just stay on the opposite side of the road and see him and walk on by. It says he went to this, this man, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. That's what Jesus does. When Jesus comes into our presence and into our, our need, it gets his attention. He doesn't just walk by on the other side and, and go on about his business, whatever that business was they were into, the priest and the Levite. They might, have, they might have felt they had some other calling. But Jesus is trying to explain to this, this uh, lawyer, as I said in the beginning, who is, who is our neighbor? I remember the parable of the wedding feast and Jesus calls who does he call he calls I guess we might say he called his own people the Jews and they all had excuses why they couldn't come and then he tells the servants go out into the highways and call men like this man the poor the maimed the halt and the blind I've said about it and, and, and I'll be honest with all of you here that with our little group here, I said to one man, I says, I guess we're, we're like the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. We all have our troubles. We all have temptations. We all have things we wonder how to deal with in our lives. But we come to this word to look for answers. And, and I, I guess I, I see that. It says that Prophets and kings have had things, or, or wish they would have, have desired to have these things revealed to them. God has revealed them to you. God has revealed these things to us and to me because we've, in our weakness, come to this word for answers. Jesus goes to this man, binds up his wounds, says they wounded him. How does it say? He fell among thieves. They stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Jesus comes to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine. This has been explained that 
the, the oil and the wine work as a healing. We know if you pour alcohol into a wound, it bites and it stings and it cleanses all the bad stuff that's in there. And the oil is for healing. Oil of gladness, the word talks about. He sets him on his own beast. We see a picture. Some artist has painted and Jesus has a lamb over his shoulder or in his arms. Jesus is, is that beast. I know some might find that offensive, but, but that's what it is, as far as I can see. He picks us up and he carries us in his arms. Or he puts us on his shoulders and carries us to this inn, this place of healing. This place of healing is the church. This place of healing is not, not the physical building, but the presence of believers. He carries us to. That's the inn it talks about. And he says he took care of this man. He's in good keeping. He's in good keeping the minute that Jesus takes him up in his arms. He takes him to the inn. I believe that's the, the body of believers. On the morrow when he, repart- when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again I will repay thee. Jesus is always there to pay the price, to pay for, we might say, our keeping, our sin debt. He looks after us. We might say that the two pence would be the Spirit and the Word. This living Word that gives us nourishment, gives us spiritual understanding and nourishment to carry on each day. Some days, I think it's probably similar with most people, we, we go along pretty good and other days we find that I just don't seem to be able to have what it takes to go on. He takes out two pence and he gives this to the host. Take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come, I will repay thee. This may be speaking of the last times that when Jesus comes, we will be ready to go. He's looking, at, he's looking after this man. Which now of these three? And I, and, I, and I go back to this man asking this question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus shows us the nature of the law there. The law is good if it's used properly. But it doesn't get us to heaven. Jesus gets us to heaven. He asked the man, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Was it the first and the second that walked on the other side of the road and held their head in such a way that they couldn't see this beggar or this man who was stripped of his raiment and bleeding and wounded and left there, left there to die? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to strip us. 
wound us, leaving us there to die. Jesus does exactly the opposite. He binds up the man's wounds, pours in oil and wine, and sets him on his own beast. It's not hard for this man to answer his, his own question that he asked. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? You don't have to answer, but I'll ask you, each one here, including myself, is that a hard, hard thing to answer? When we look at the story behind it, it's not hard to answer. Which one was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? This man says, he that showed mercy on him. Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. This man repeats the law when Jesus asks him, what is written in the law? The law doesn't save us. If we could live in perfection, the law would save us. We can't live in perfection. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. And love thy neighbor as thyself. Maybe these men, maybe the the priest and the Levite thought that they were doing the right thing. I'm sure they did. But this man asked, and who is my neighbor? Our neighbor is the one who is in need. This man that fell by the roadside on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's our neighbor. Which one of them was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? Not the priest and not the Levite. They weren't the neighbor. This man, if I'm right in, in, in saying that that his question got him into trouble. Jesus answers this question for him. Which one do you think? His neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. It's not hard to answer that question. The man says, his lawyer says, he that showed mercy on him. Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. We, we can't do this of our own strength. We can't do what Jesus did for this man. First of all, it says he had compassion on him. Of our own strength and of our own understanding, we don't have compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Healing properties, a healing spirit, set him on his own beast. You might say that Jesus carries this lamb to where there is help. Takes him up in his own arms and carries him to where there is help. And, and the help is in his arms. And it says he takes him to this end and took care of him. Part of the, part of the parable. 
These things we don't do of our own strength. And these things we have to do with the, we say the strength and the urging the Holy Spirit gives us. Jesus says, he that showed mercy, who, who, who was neighbor to this, this wounded man? The man can't, can't come up with anything else. There, there was only one answer. He that showed mercy on him. The priest didn't show mercy. The Levite didn't show mercy on him. Jesus showed mercy on him. He goes over to the where, where the wounded man is and takes him up. And binds up his wounds and takes him to where there is help. Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. We have to pray that the Holy Spirit would give us strength to do that. We notice that both these, both the uh, priest and the Levite notice the man that's in trouble. They take, they take, he, he gets their attention, but they're not able to help him. Jesus is able to help him. The man said, who, who was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He that showed mercy on him was, was the one that was, was a true neighbor. Go and do thou likewise. Pray that the Holy Spirit would give us that understanding. That that I read before where it says, I tell you that many prophets and, and kings have desired to see those things which ye see. Why do we see them? Because we have such good hearing and eyesight and all those things. No. God opens these things to us. Praise his name for that. Praise his name that he shows us what we are. We are that that wounded man stripped of our raiment and wounded and leaving has been left there half dead. The good Samaritan comes along and lifts us into a, into a we might say a valuable Christian walk. He tells this man. This man answers Jesus' question: Who's neighbor unto this man? Who who is his neighbor? He that showed mercy on him. The man answers. Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. Go and do that which Jesus tells us to do. This Holy Spirit that urges us to do things. Go and do them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I just mentioned we often been having Bible studies. Now, is anyone able to have Bible study this coming week? Is people busy? Or, or you can? Okay. We're having Thursday evening if that doesn't work for someone, I guess it can change, but 
We'll say seven thirty Thursday evening at Swans. Anybody have a song conclusion? Four twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.